Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. You guys, I'm excited to what to see what God's going to get us into this morning. This is a worldwide ministry. As you guys tune in, please let me know what time it is and where you guys are coming in from. Uh, I don't know. I just feel the spirit moving. I was up a little bit earlier this morning, 4.15, about 15 minutes before my alarm went off. Just kind of one of those mornings where you jolt out of bed. That means I got to spend a little bit extra time in the presence of the Lord. And uh, man, he always shows up. Never ceases to amaze me. Don't know what's going to happen or where we're going to go. But um, I am truly anticipating a move of the Spirit. Check it out. We got people from Arizona, Hawthorne, California, Georgia, Virginia. Right? We got brothers and sisters from around the world. Santa Barbara, California, Ohio, Canada. I love to see it. Carolina. I love to see it. I love to see it. So check it out. Um, I'm excited to announce that this Thursday... Um, our church, Royal City Church, we're starting a Bible study, uh, right? You're just like, more Bible studies? Look, we got coffee and prayer every day, every morning. Uh, I do a men's group on Tuesday night, so tonight at 6 p.m. It's a Zoom call. It's done through the Sanctuary app. That's where we gather daily. Now, Royal City is going to be offering a Thursday night Bible study um, that is going to be co-hosted by my brother, Chris. So um, I'm stepping in overseeing, overshadowing, uh, but he's going to be just an, a, a complete blessing to our ministry. Um, a young man who is passionate and on fire for the Lord. I will be there Thursday and I'm just excited to, to, to see what uh, God puts on his heart and how he leads this Bible study. I'm excited, but it's going to be tying into our sermon series. So I'm working with him, giving him an idea of where our sermons are going. And, uh, you know, on Thursday, he's going to be doing some things that are segueing and tying into what I share on Sunday. I'm so excited. Um, and so, uh, there will be a sign up sheet if you guys are interested in being a part of our Thursday night, Thursday night at six Royal city Bible study. Saturday, we have baptisms here in California at Dockweiler Beach. And then Sunday, we have church. I am excited, super stoked, pumped. Uh, but check it out. If this is your first time, you're like, okay, I'm here, coffee and prayer. People have told me about it. What is it? It's a Bible study. It's church. We go through one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. You guys read on your own, but it's refreshing knowing that you guys have about 360 brothers and sisters from around the world who are gathering together around uh, God's scripture, right? Um, Jaden asked, will I ever stop with these coffee and prayers? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to die one day. I'm, I'm sure that I, I will, but the goal is to finish the Bible, right? I, I, I counted it out, and if, you know, I think it's like 500 and some odd days. If we can go 500 and some odd days, we will read the entire Bible. Now, I know you can read it a lot quicker, but I'm really enjoying this. Just a slow, easy pace. Sometimes I read more later on in the day. Sometimes I don't, but it's really at your own pace. But if we stick around, you know, we'll, about 500 days or so, we'll be able to work our way through the entire Bible, right? glory to God. But I don't foresee stopping. Um, I will stop when the Lord puts that on my heart. But check it out. Let's jump into today's uh, scripture. It is Psalm, or excuse me, Acts chapter 23. Morning, Henry from Newport Beach. I love it. It's my brother. So Acts chapter 23. Can somebody put that in the chat? I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. 
We're in Acts chapter 23. 23 today, right? Yep. Somebody, there we go. Appreciate it. Oh, that's cool. That's the one right there. So as people come in and if they ask, hey, where are we at? Acts chapter 23. So what we see, uh, you know, leading up to this is Paul was apprehended. They were just like, um, you know, he was sitting there. He was sharing his testimony. As soon as he mentioned, you know, preaching to the Gentiles, they were like, oh, not hearing it. They lose their mind. They began shouting, kill him, get him out of the world. He should not be allowed to live. The the commander grabs a hold of him, you know, takes him out. And um, they're about to beat the truth out of him as Romans you know, typically do. And, um, Paul's just like, Oh, you guys are going to beat a Roman citizen. And he's like, hold on a second. You're a Jew. You're a Roman citizen. He's like, yep. And so, uh, you know, they, rather than beating him because it's illegal, you, you're not even supposed to tie him up, right? At this point, they had already broken the law by tying him up because he was a Roman citizen without trial, without due process. And so they were a little shook. They were a little scared. They didn't beat the truth out of him, but rather the next day, right? They bring him before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin, we understand, are made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. So Paul's there. He starts to address him. Brothers, I have lived my life without guilty feelings before God up to this day. So we understand that Paul has this, he has the gift of speaking eloquently. He typically, where he goes, he's either well-received by some, he's usually hated and despised by um, the local legalistic Jews, Pharisees, and Sadducees. Some of them actually change. Some of them actually put their faith in Christ. Uh, but he's usually uh, always hated by the local economy because where Jesus goes, they disrupt the cell and the, the economy of idols and the, the, the spiritual movements of what are going on. We've seen that a couple of times. But here he starts his speech. And as he's speaking, right, as soon as they hear this, Ananias, the high priest heard it and told the men who were standing near to Paul to hit him. And so Paul snaps back. He gets hit in the mouth. He's speaking. I mean, immediately he snaps back and he says, God will hit you too. You are like a wall that has been painted white. You sit there and judge me using the law of Moses, but you are telling them to hit me. And that is against the law. And so the men standing near him, they're just like, Hey, you can't talk to God's high priest like that. And then Paul is like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that he was the high priest. It's written in the scriptures, you must not curse a leader of your people. So at this point, Paul understood. He was just like, this isn't going well. Like I've already, I've come out here. I've been hit in the mouth. I've insulted the high priest. These dudes are not having it, right? And so what he does is he's like, okay, I'm going to stir the pot. He says, my brothers, I'm a Pharisee and my father was a Pharisee and I'm on trial here because I believe that the pe that people will rise from the dead. So that's his go-to move, right? In this situation, he understands that he's been called to be bound. He understands that he's been called to, to be captured and that he would be taken in. He knows that he's in this place and he's also much safer. The Jews that are there, they want to kill him. They want to rip his limbs from his body. And, and once he sees how hostile they are and how quick they are to slap him, and after he insults the high priest, he's just like, "Look, I believe in the resur I believe in resurrection." But he said this: there was an argument between the Pharisees and the Sadducees because the Sadducees they don't believe in angels, spirits, or that people will rise from the dead. But the Pharisees believe in all of that. So even though they're on the Sanhedrin, they agree to disagree on a couple of things, probably secondary issues. But it's a source of contention between the two groups. And Paul plays on that by stirring the pot and saying, "Hey, I'm on trial for 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 believing that people are going to come back from the dead." And the Pharisees, some of them start standing up and they're just like, "Hey." 
we don't find anything wrong with this man. Maybe an angel or spirit did speak to him. And then the Sadducees are like, we don't believe in that. And so what he does is he stirs the pot and it gets crazy. And the argument turns into such a fight that the commander was afraid the Jews would tear Paul to pieces. So he told the soldiers to go down, take Paul away, and put him in the army building. Okay, so Paul gets pulled out of there again. They cannot have a formal conversation. Paul is not able to address them. He's not able to defend himself. Um, these men want blood, right? They want blood. And so the next night, the Lord came and stood by Paul. And he said, be brave, right? Be brave. You have told people in Jerusalem about me. You must do the same in Rome, right? Be brave. You're going to do this, right? You've told people in Jerusalem you're going to Rome. So he has this reassurance, right? God is revealing his plan and the direction that he's going. Again, piece by piece. He doesn't say when. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say for how long. Like, this is, ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is a good point, right? God will give us sometimes clear direction or give us uh, a sneak peek into the way that he's going, right? I spoke about this the other day. God, God isn't going to reveal to you his entire plan, purpose, and will for your life because many times you would be so terrified and so scared that you would quit, that you wouldn't even move forward. You would be paralyzed by fear. If God told you the giants that awaited you, if he told you the obstacles, the issue, the tragedy, the, the problems of life that you will face and that he will carry you through, it would probably scare you, right? And, and right now you might be like, no, I, I would be fine if God would just give me a blueprint. If he would just give me a map and tell me everything, I would put my trust in him. But he knows your heart. He knows how you operate. You're scared of the dark. You're scared of spiders. Why would he unveil the entire plan right before you? Because he knows that you would stop. And so I believe that God reveals things victory by victory, piece by piece. He He, he pulls the, the, the blinders back just a little bit. He reveals the plan little by little, victory by victory. And before you know it, as you follow him day in, day out, and you continue to move forward, you look back and you go, wow. God has carried me through this. He's protected me through this. He's, 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 you know, he's given me the strength to endure this. Like, look at where I'm at. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that I've come this far. And he says, awesome. Now continue to trust me. We've still got very far to go. But the thing is, is that sometimes when God reveals us things or shares things to us, we think that it's immediate, right? I was having a conversation uh, with my brother, Jalen. We've been doing some of these higher quality videos that um, I absolutely love and, and, and enjoy in doing. But, you know, we'll be talking. So we pray and then we're out and, and we're just in the spirit where we're sharpening each other. We're asking each other questions. We're praying like in public and we're doing all of these things and ideas will come. Ideas will come and, and we pray about it. And it's just like, that's not a now idea. There's, there's several ideas that God has downloaded us and given to us in the moment. And, and as we're praying about it, God's given us instruction. He's like, I'm telling you this now, but this isn't the time to move. And it's like, oh, we got to run to our phones and write this down and go, this is a great idea, but it's not for now. This might be an idea that we reveal in two years, in three years, in four years, down the road. But, but so many times God will release a revelation to us and we think that it's immediate. So he's literally telling Paul, hey, you're heading to Rome. Okay, so, so many of you might be like, awesome, I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to Rome tomorrow. Okay, but we know as we understand it, as we work our way 
through the book of Acts that there is a little bit of a waiting period, a little bit of uncertainty. There's a, there's a, there's a gap in time where most of us lose faith. We lose hope. We start to question God. We start to beat ourselves up. We start to, uh, you know, we, we, we start to give up or throw in the towel because what we were told isn't happening according to our timetable. Amen. Anybody ever feel like that? Like like things aren't happening on our timetable. And so we start to question what God shared with us or the direction that he's taking us. Or we start to wonder if he forgot about us, right? God has not forgotten about you. God does not make mistakes. He's not up there and go, oh man, I, you know, I, I left the cookies in the oven. Let me run back. No, he, like he knows what he's doing. And that's where that trust and that faith has to come in. Just because things aren't happening according to your timetable or according to your schedule or to your plans, it's that reassurance knowing that he knows all. We, we say it so easily. Oh, God's timing is perfect, brother. But when the timing doesn't line up with ours, we start to question it, right? That's a tweet right there. We're so quick and easy to say, God's timing is perfect. I trust God, right? We give this lip service and we put on these fake smiles and pretend that everything's okay. But sometimes inside of our own head and in our heart and in silence by ourselves, we start to question, did God forget about me? Is this ever going to happen? Am I ever going to see what God has placed on my heart? Am I ever going to see those visions come to fruition? I want to share with you guys, God gave me a prophetic word when I was 23 years old that terrified me, right? And and I have an understanding of why God won't reveal certain things at some points because many times it's too much. At, At 23 years old, I was told that I would be in ministry, that I would speak to millions of people and that I had words of gold, right? I'm not trying to make this live about me. This is all about Jesus. I'm pointing us to the Lord. But uh, but at an evangel or at a revival, an evangelist came up and and pulled me up on stage, and that was the word that he had for me at 23 years old. And I was terrified. Number one, I didn't want to be in ministry. Right? I never vision, envisioned myself being a pastor. I thought that it was dumb. I, I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be an actor. There were so many things that I wanted to do with my life. Ministry was not one of them. The second thing words of gold. At 23 years old, I had a fear of speaking in public. I I failed out of speech class. I struggled with giving presentations. Please do not ever invite me up to the stage to share or to talk or to speak. I did not like large crowds. Uh, I had social anxiety. So when I'm told that I'm going to be in ministry and that I have words of gold, and then the third thing that I was going to speak to millions of people, At 23 years old, this was too much for me to comprehend. This is the age of MySpace. I had 13 friends and family members. They were my grandma, my aunt, my cousins, and and people really close to me. So this word that was spoken over my life at 23 years old was too much for me to comprehend. Millions of people, ministry, words of gold, no thank you, yuck, I'm out of here. And I literally left the church two weeks later, gone, like I didn't go back to church. I might've gone back for a Christmas play or special, maybe an Easter service with family members, but the word that was spoken over my life was too much for me to bear. And I didn't, I ran. It wasn't until over 10 years later, a decade later, a decade later, 
of me running from that calling, running from that word. I sit before you now, a man who speaks to millions of people every day, who is in ministry, a pastor of a church, and have words of gold. I, I, I've written a couple of books, and I'm in the process of writing another one. Right? Talk about mind-blowing. But, but here's the thing. Had I held on to that, and, and the next week... Okay, where's the millions of people? Where's the ministry? Where's the words of gold? And then the year after that, and I'm constantly looking and constantly looking. Well, God said it. Somebody spoke that over to my life. And then the next year, because it wasn't until over 10 years that this came to fruition, right? And I thank God that, and I'm grateful for the experience, the road that I traveled because I was able to, my mind wasn't focused on that because I thought it was ridiculous. I thought the guy who called me up was a quack. I thought that he had lost his mind. I was like, this Christianity stuff, this is crazy. This guy's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Why would he ever call me? He's got the wrong Andrew. And so it was easy for me to walk away from that call because it isn't, I, I had no idea. But I'll tell you this, it blows, it blew my mind and moved me to tears and weeping for 30 days of the, for an entire month of weeping and bawling and repenting for the life that I had made between that point and coming back to ministry. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I thank God for his faithfulness. And that right there has put, it's taken my trust and my faith in him. If God gives me a word, if he shares something with me, if he reveals something to me, I know that he will do it. I don't put him on my Google calendar. I don't try to schedule him in. I don't try to put my twist on it. I just say, yes, Lord, I believe that. And when it happens, it will happen. I trust that. And there's no rush. I don't get impatient. My faith doesn't start to waver because I understand how good he is. And I've watched him come through in the past over and over and over. Your faith gets stronger. Your trust gets stronger as you can reflect back and look at the experience of and, and see him remembering his promises and, and coming through every single time. Amen. So back to Acts chapter 23. The Lord says, be brave. You have told people in Jerusalem about me. You must do the same in Rome. So in the morning, the Jews got together and they made a plan. They made a plot to kill Paul. Like it's, it's done. 40 Jews got together and they said, you know what? We're going to take an oath. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to drink until Paul is dead. Okay. I hope I, we, <laughs> they made this, they made this promise. Then they go to the leaders, the older, the leading priests and the older Jewish leaders. They said, we have taken an oath. And, and we have made a plot to kill Paul. So this is what we're going to do. You're going to send a message to the, the commander and you're going to say that we want to talk to him. And us 40 men, we're going to be waiting and hiding. And when he's on his way, we're going to jump out and we are going to rip this man limb from limb. We're going to kill him. But the thing is, is that Paul's nephew was in there. He heard, he overheard the plot to kill Paul. And so he sneaks off and he talks to Paul and he says, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. 40 dudes are going to hide. They're going to call for you on your way over there. They're going to jump out and they're going to rip you to pieces. And he says, go tell the commander. And so the commander, uh, he, he listens to Paul's nephew and then he makes a plan. He says, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get you out of here. We're going to send you with this big group and we're going to go put you down here, down the road. We're going to hide you down the road. Okay. Um, and so that's what happened. That's what happened. They have taken, and he, he the, the, the nephew is just like, look, man, they've taken an oath. When they take an oath, they're not going to eat. They're not going to drink. They're going to make this happen. And so the commander swore the young man to, uh, to secrecy. He was just like, don't tell anybody. And so he called two officers, and they, they take 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 men with spears ready to leave at 9 o'clock at night. 
and they grabbed Paul and they took him down there. They write a letter uh, from Claudius to the most excellent governor, Felix. And so they take him to Felix. It says the soldiers did what they were told. They brought Paul and uh, they took him to uh, Antipatris, Antipatris, Antipatris. And it says, uh, the next day the horsemen went with Paul to Caesarea, but the other soldiers went back to the army building in Jerusalem. When the horsemen came to Caesarea uh, and gave the letter to the governor, they turned Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked Paul, what, are, what area are you from? When he learned that Paul was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when those who are against you come here too. Then the governor gave orders for Paul to be kept under guard in Herod's palace. He was basically put on house arrest. That is the end of chapter 23. Um, and we're going to see how that unfolds in chapter 24, right? God promised that Paul is going to Rome. That's where he's going. But when? When is he going to make it? How long is it going to be? Lord, you promised. You told me. You came and stood by me. You said that I've done a good job in Jerusalem. When am I going to Rome? And now we find him on house arrest. Amen. Glory to God. So Acts chapter 23, that is what you guys are reading. Um, I want to read a little bit out of Psalm chapter 105. So can we put that in the chat? Psalm 105. Glory to God. There we go. Boom. Boom. That is our reading for the day. Acts 23 and Psalm chapter 105. So I highlighted quite a few things here. Um, and I just want to share just a little bit. Remember, you guys are reading this on your own. In Psalm 105, uh, the very first verse says, Make known his deeds among the people. Make known his deeds among the people. Man, sounds kind of like share your testimony. What has God done in your life, right? What has God done in your life? Everybody has a story, right? Uh, a lot of people have been reaching out. Andrew, I want you to hear my story. I want you to hear my story. I want to share my testimony with you. And I absolutely love that. You guys can send that through an email. Just type it out and send it. That's fine. I'll read it when I get a chance. But listen, Part of our duty, and we went over this yesterday, is to share your story. Your story is unique. Your story is one of a kind. Your story is your story. But we must remember that as we share our story, our story must point to his story because his story, Jesus' story, the story of redemption and mercy and grace and reconciliation, right? That is the story that saves souls. So uh, many people, they want to know, like, how do I start to share my testimony? How do I start, right? Uh, there's many ways that you guys can do that. You can make a video on Instagram. You can make a, you know, post a video on Facebook. You can type it out. You can create a blog. Um, you know, as you're ministering to individuals, you can just start the conversation like, hey, let me tell you what God's done in my life, right? Let me tell you what God's done in my life. And, and that's a great conversation starter. Um, one thing that I've learned is that... Um, when it comes to sharing your testimony, we always got to point back to Jesus. We always have to point it back to Jesus or else we're just telling a sad, sad story. But in verse one, it was just powerful. Make known his deeds among the people. It says in verse three, let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Right? I don't know about you, but I'm seeking the Lord. I'm here. God, I woke up this morning and said, man, God, I, uh, I, I, just, want, I just longed for him. Right? Sometimes if I wake up early and I have a little extra time, I'm able to get on social media, answer a few messages. Maybe I'm able to you know, get a couple emails responded to. 
I don't know. But this morning it was just like, God, I, I just long for you. I just want to be in your presence. I, I don't I, I don't want to do any extra social media stuff. I really just want to sit with you. And it was beautiful. It's just a good feeling. I just longed and hungered for his presence. And so as we seek him, right, there's so much to rejoice for or to rejoice in. Like it's it's easy to count our problems, and that's what we we do. We're so addicted to looking at the issues and obstacles that we have in front of us, right? Like we, it's it's easy for us to sit there and just say, "Man, life is rough." You know, my dog died, my uncle passed away, my friends got COVID, I lost my job, right? These are all very serious things. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying um, how hard it's been since 2020. The issues that have arose. I understand that we're at a time that has created a lot of mental health issues. There's been a lot of strain. There's been a lot of things that are, are, are going on in this world. Um, and, and, and so I, I get that. But despite that, right, we come back to the point that life is so much more than seeking comfort. Life is so much more than creating a safe space where you uh, just have everything that you need and your life is absent of issues. If that's what you are looking for, if you are seeking a life filled with comfort and absent of issues, you will forever be seeking because there is no life that is absent of issue and that is filled with comfort right? Please don't listen to the lie of this world. Don't listen to the lie from social media that people are out there in these perfect relationships that have these perfect little families and that, uh, you know, they make lunch every single day and it's cut in these perfect little squares and everybody's dressed super nice and cute. And, you know, they've got this, your life has just got this super clean filter over it and everybody's on time and there are no issues. Like, dude, what's happening is a lot of people are comparing their life, right? Their mess of a life to people's highlight reels on social media. Right, social media is, is is beautiful in the sense that you get to create your reality. You get to Photoshop and airbrush and filter over. You can discard all of the crap that goes on behind closed doors and you can paint this picture of perfection. And, and what happens is we are constantly taking our mess of a life because we see what it really is and we are comparing it to these social media highlight reels. And then we look back in the mirror and we're just like, gosh, I got to get it together. I need to lose 10 pounds. I'm lonely. My house don't look like that. I don't have that kind of car. I haven't taken a trip in 10 years. I'm in this dead end job. And we start to lose track of what God is truly doing in our lives, right? We start to, we start to count all of the things that are going wrong instead of looking at the beauty that life is. And, and, you know, people even do that with me, People will look at my relationship with God and be like, man, I wish that I was on fire like him. Man, I wish that I could read my Bible like him. Man, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And I, that's why I try to get on here and be so vulnerable and so transparent. I try to share with you guys that I'm not balling out of control. That Again, free shirt, free hat, same hat. It's filthy if you guys see the back of it, right? I wear this hat everywhere. So I'm not out here with brand new stuff. My boy gave me this hat months ago. I rock the same hat. I don't got no fancy watches, right? These are just rubber bands. One is from, uh, you know, 
uh, unlimited faith, unlimited faith apparel, right? One is one my son gave me straight buckets from his three on three tournament. These are silver earrings. These aren't even real. They cost like 20 bucks. You guys, I'm wearing Walmart shorts right now. These Walmart shorts were $14.99. Like I, I tried to keep it 100% real that, uh, my Jeep, it's nice, but it's a 2009. It's old. I got a crack across the windshield, right? It's it's it is what it is. I show you the dirt ring in my cup of coffee. Like it's it's grimy. I am not living some uh, superstar life that is overwhelming with money and finances. I'm not taking crazy trips. If I take trips, I'm preaching the gospel. I haven't taken like a vacation. I haven't gone anywhere. Right. So it's easy to start looking at other people's lives and just like wow, wow, wow. I must not be doing something right. No, God has you right where He wants you and He loves you and you're there with a purpose and a plan. I try to keep it so real. I try to keep it so 100 with you guys. Me and Kyra have issues. We argue. She knows everything, right? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and air out my dirty laundry, but uh, we're not like fighting, fighting, but she knows a lot and I'm usually wrong and I'm super prideful. So even if I'm wrong, just being a guy, sometimes I'm just like, well, oh no, no, that's how, that's how it was supposed to be. Oh, see, I misunderstood. Like, I mean, she. And when I say she's right, that's not being facetious. She's smart. She's super intelligent, and she pays attention to details. And so, uh, for instance, um, she'll be like, "Hey, I have a meeting at 10. and I'll be like, "Awesome, I'll be ready." And then as 10 approaches, I'm like, you said 1030. And she's like, Andrew, I didn't say 1030. And I'm just like, oh, well, I'm not ready. I won't be ready till 1030 because I'm a bonehead, right? And that's just me. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure you said 1030. Knowing well that she said, I'm thinking, I'm like, oh man, she did say 10. I'm just being, you know, I'm just not paying attention or not listening. It's just stuff like that. So I irritate her. I'm annoying. I don't know how she puts up with me. So there's things that go on behind the scenes, right? It's not this picture perfect, like life isn't perfect. Right? I've got three kids that I only get to see once a month. That's straining. That's challenging. That's that's not easy. Right? You guys get to see me jetting off. Oh, you spend so much time with your kids. I, I, I fly up there once a month and I spend as much time as I can with them. But that's pretty challenging. That weighs heavy on my heart because I went from being there with them every single day coaching their sports teams. But when God called me here, right? My kids are older. They're going to be 18, 16, and 12. Uh, they're at an age where I was able to make a transition. So I struggle with that. Sometimes I beat myself up. I wonder, did I do the right thing as a father? There are things that I struggle with behind closed doors. So it's not every day I wake up and it's just like fire and brimstone. I love Jesus. We're going to pray. Like it's not that. Uh, so, so please don't compare your life to other people. I, I share the things that I do because I understand what my life is about. My life is about sharing the gospel. Your life is about sharing the gospel and bringing glory and honor to God. But please get out of this game of comparing your life and your situation to other people's highlight reels because that's not reality and you're playing a game that you will lose over and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? So um, I, I just want to encourage you guys. There are a lot of things for you to praise God for. There is a song to sing that is filled with rejoicing. Um, and, and that is in the very simple fact that we have Jesus, right? That we have Jesus. We have Christ. We have Jesus. Hey, I got good news for you. Your sins, the sins that, sh that, that should garner us eternal separation from God, they've been paid for, right? That's great news. That's great news. Because of that, you have access to God.
So nowhere in scripture does it say life's going to be easy. You're going to have the perfect job, the perfect spouse. Somebody asked me on my live on TikTok yesterday. They said, why is it that when Christian women pray for godly men, they don't get them? And I was like, dang, that's a great question. Because nowhere in scripture does it promise you a spouse. Nowhere in scripture does it promise you anything when it comes to the entitlement that we have. We have become so entitled believing that God owes us a, a, a person, right? God owes us nothing. In fact, he gave us everything when he gave us Jesus. And it is our privilege, right? We should be honored that we have the free gift of salvation. And when you start to change things around, God's not a genie. He doesn't owe me anything, right? Everything that I have is a gift. I'm merely a steward. The money that I have, I am a steward of it. It's not even mine. It's his. I must return it to him and his people. The clothes that I have on my back, I am a steward. The, the, the platform, the friendships, the relationships, everything that we have, we are stewards of them. And we are to use those gifts, the things that we have the privilege of having in order to bring glory and honor to him. So rather than having a heart posture of like, where is my money? Where is my prosperity? Where is my spouse? Where is my health? Where is the answer and miracles to all of my prayers? If I'm not getting what I want, then God doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. Is he even real? We start to get so entitled. It blows my mind, right? I am. I, I encourage us to be humble in the sense that we have Christ. That is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And when you start to live your life from that posture, right? Yes, be bold. Yes, walk in authority. Yes, you know, be expectant. Yes, understand that we are children of God and He wants what's best for us. But but with that statement right there, if He wants what's best for us and we don't have something, what does that tell you? Ooh, don't miss it. Please don't miss that. Listen, if God wants what's best for us and we don't have something, what does that mean about that something? It means that we don't need it. Amen. It means that we don't need it. And so what happens is typically we get our minds set on wanting something and we don't have it. And so we will stay stuck in that place, wagging our fist at God, getting so angry, getting so upset that he's not moving, that he's not healing this relationship, that he's not fixing this mess that I've made, that he's not doing this or that when we're missing the answer to the prayer, right? God has every right to tell you no. So you can say, God, I want you to fix this relationship. And his answer might be like, I hear you, but no, it's not the relationship I want for you. And then we go, well, God doesn't, God's not listening to my prayers. Sorry, sweetheart. He is. But the answer is no, because he wants what's best for you. And you are crawling back into a dumpster fire of a relationship. And he's trying to protect you. He's trying to keep you from that. And then we get so mad. Well, why can't I have this? Why can't I have that? Because you're settling for less and God wants what's best for you. So when we can, it's just this, this understanding that I pray that we can shift our mindset and we can shift our heart posture. If we truly believe that God loves us, if we truly believe that he wants what's best for us, then, then why are we constantly fighting and going against his will, plan, and purpose? Why are we constantly grabbing the steering wheel of our life and trying to take control over it? Right? It blows my mind that we can sit here and profess with our mouth and say, Jesus is Lord of my life. I surrender all. I'm, I'm walking in faith. But when things don't go our way, we're grabbing the wheel of life and we're taking control back over. We're turning our back on God. We're getting angry at him when we don't get what we want. It's a heart posture. Amen. 
That's it right there. God's unanswered prayers are more rewarding than gifts, rewarding gifts than answering them, right? It's so powerful. If moving on in, in Psalm 105, right? It talks about God's wondrous works and about his covenants. And he brings in the story of Joseph, right? How, how Joseph was used. Um, he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Uh, until the time that his word came, the, Lord, uh, the, the word of the Lord tried him. Um, Joseph got favor from God and he was in the ear of the, the Pharaoh and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. And then he brings in Moses and how Moses was used to free Israel. Um, and he just talks about God being faithful to his promise. This is another, like God promised, he made promises to Abraham. He made promises to Abraham. And, you know, we talk about Abraham's faith. Abraham had to wait 25 years before he actually got to see his son, right? You, you remember that? At 75, he was promised. So there was a covenant that he made with Abraham and an oath unto Isaac. And he, even, even though they didn't see it in their time, like God was faithful to his promises because God doesn't lie. But I want to share this, right? In verse 38 through 41, this is what it reminds me of, kind of what we're talking about. And we'll kind of wrap things up. It says, um, Egypt was glad when the Israelites departed because the fear, the fear of them fell upon them. And it talks about the goodness of God. So we understand. And you know what? I'm excited because listen, when we're done with Psalms, we're going to get into Proverbs. And after Proverbs, we're going to start back at Genesis. So we're going to go Genesis, Exodus. We're going to go through, okay? When we get to Psalms and Proverbs, we'll skip over them because we've already done them. But we started with them. We're going to finish them. But as soon as we're done with Proverbs 31, we're jumping to Genesis and Exodus. And I'm excited because we get to talk about Noah, Adam and Eve. We get to talk about Joseph, Moses. We get to talk about it, right? I'm excited because there's so much rich history that ties into what we're speaking about. It all points to Christ, but there's so many life lessons. I'm excited. But but this is what this reminds me of, okay? And, and I'm going to be complete with that. So we understand that God, God freed his people, right? Broke the chains of the Israelites in Egypt, right? He parts the Red Sea. He, he carries them through the Red Sea. And before their enemies can close in on them, he closes the water on them, right? It, it seems like no sooner than the water closes behind them, they already forgot what God had done for them, right? They start grumbling. They start complaining. God is providing quails. God is providing bread from heaven. He is bringing forth water from rocks. And all that they can do, right? There's these miracles that are taking place before them. They just were freed out of slavery, witnessed the Red Sea part, carried through, and now they're receiving these blessings. But, but their mindset, their heart posture shifts. Well, the bread, the manna, it's getting old, right? Can we have something else? Is there anything else on the menu? It doesn't have a lot of taste, right? This water that is coming forth from rocks, it's good, but it's not sparkling water, right? And what that reminds me of is the heart posture of many Christians today, right? We have been freed from the chains of bondage to sin because of what Jesus did. We have been set free. We are now a new creation. God is making miraculous provisions in your life right now. You have 
full access to God because of what Jesus did. That is a blessing, you guys. I'm talking about good news. We have victory. We have dominion. We have authority. We have confidence. God is imparting wisdom and understanding and knowledge. God has given us daily bread, right? He's given us bread that we that this will sustain us and teach us and lead us and guide us and build us. Yet here we are, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, free from bondage, and we find ways to complain and grumble, right? I'm talking to somebody out there. We have so much to be thankful for, but our heart posture is very similar to those. We have been freed. We have been set free. The chains have been broken. The captives have been loosed, and we have the audacity to start getting mad at God when things don't go our way, when life doesn't look the way that we envisioned it. We start to wag our fist at God because the bread might be, so, his provision might, it might be getting old. I might be in this season for too long. The provision's a little stale. The water's not sparkling. And then we start thinking, well, gosh, I had it pretty good back when I was in sin. I didn't have any problems. Now I've got all of these problems. I've got all these issues. I almost wish that I would just go back to Egypt, go back to my sin, reverse all of this. Before I had the Holy Spirit, life was much simpler right? Wow. Wow. Like, like who the audacity that we have to get so upset when what we have is what we need. That is the heart posture. 40 years they wandered in the wilderness because they couldn't get it right. They couldn't understand what had been done for them. They, they wandered in confusion, right? Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, <laughs> 40 days. He got it. He, he figured it out. He understood that he understood that God was good, that he was loving, that, I mean, please don't miss it. Please don't allow your heart posture. Please don't allow your problems. Please don't allow your issues, your concerns, your worries, your fears, your obligations. Please don't let that strangle out the goodness that God has in your life. Please don't allow that to stop the goodness of God moving in what you are doing. If you don't have it, you don't need it. Today, you have one day. You can't change yesterday. It's gone. There's nothing that we can do. So that's why in Christ, there's no regret. There's no shame. There's no guilt, right? We've, we've put forth our best effort. Maybe you fell short, right? Tomorrow has its own set of problems. I don't do future tripping. I don't, I don't do that. I don't mess around with tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I have a schedule. I have certain things planned at certain times, but I understand how God moves. Sometimes those things can be disrupted. Sometimes they can be interrupted. Sometimes people will cancel. Sometimes they don't follow through. Sometimes God will add more to my plate. I worry about that when the day comes. Today, I have a schedule. I know the things that I need to do, but I'm open and ready to receive at whatever God is going to do in this day. He has given me 24 hours to make an impact in this world. And my focus is on preaching his gospel, sharing the love of Christ, standing on truth, and trying to be a light in this dark world. And anything that happens in extra, is it's all extra credit, right? I, what I'm trying to get you guys to do is understand, yes, you got to go to work. Awesome. Shine your light at your job. Yes, you got a family you got to take care of. Awesome. Shine your light. You've got today, one day at a time, live on fire for Jesus. Make the absolute most, right? We've already spent time in his word. We're about to spend time in prayer. 
So, so now that you're filled, your cup is filled, how can you take this knowledge, this understanding, this word, and how can you transplant that? How can you share that with the rest of your sphere of influence? Right now, we're filling our cup, right? We're filling our cup right now with the word, with his presence, with his spirit, right? We're filling our cup. We're going to pray. And as we fill this cup, we're going to go out into the world and we're going to pour it out into other people. We're going to be the light of Christ. We're going to have good attitudes. We're going to focus on the good. We're going to pray for people. We're going to love on people. We're going to be generous with people. And at the end of the night, right, we're going to fill that cup back up and we're going to pray and then we're going to go to sleep. And guess what? We're going to wake up and we're going to do it again. We're going to fill our cup back up and we're going to go out into this world with a mission to make this place a little bit better by spreading the love and truth of Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of our life. Wherever you're at, whether you got school today, awesome, be a light. Whether you've got work today, awesome, be a light. Whether you're on social media, awesome, be there, be a light. Go out there and spread the love of Jesus. That is the plan, purpose, and will that God has for our life. And once you start to be obedient to that call, you will start to feel better, right? And it's not about feeling, but you will start to see God move and shift. Opportunities open, right? Doors will close. Different things will start to move in your life and they'll start to make sense. Like, I just pray that you guys understand why you are here and all of the resources that you have at your fingertips. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you guys. I really do. And uh, I honor you. I look forward to our coffee and prayer. I'm excited to get through Acts. I'm excited for Romans and um, just some of the other books. Uh, I'm definitely not tired in what we're doing. I'm really enjoying it. It's a different perspective um, when we all get together and are able to kind of talk about this. Um, but that's a great question. How can we spread that love? Like, I think that we try to complicate it and make it harder than it is. Um, a smile, a kind word, right? So so when I go out into the world, let me just give you a couple of examples. Uh, I'm going to the YMCA today to play basketball, okay? So as I go there, when I come in, I say hi to the people at the front desk. I smile. I ask how they're doing, right? And I ask them sincerely. And I pick up on those things. I'm very attentive. I'm shining though. I come in and they, I'm smiling underneath my mask because the YMCA forces you to wear a mask. So I'm smiling and I'm joyful. I'm cheerful. Um, I go in and as I'm playing basketball with the guys, I'm being kind. I'm being respectful. I'm encouraging. I'm there. Um, I'm being a light. I'm not complaining over fouls. I'm not joining into the foul talk and the things that they're talking about. I'm not cussing. I'm not, you know, I'm setting myself aside. I'm standing out. Uh, what happened one of the days that I was playing basketball, somebody was down and I was like, hey man, you okay? And they're like, oh, I'm having a rough go because I, I'm, I'm, I'm attentive. I'm out of my comfort zone. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, I'd love that. So I had a chance to pray for somebody, right? As I go about my day, as I go to the grocery store, I'm smiling, I'm being kind, I'm interacting with human beings, I'm being attentive, I'm praying to myself, God, is there anybody in here that you want me to talk to? Is there anybody in here who you want me to pray for? Is there anybody in here that needs your love? Whether it's me smiling or being kind or saying, excuse me, or not breathing down somebody's neck, it's how I'm living my life, amen? There are so many different ways and places that God can use you, but being attentive and being aware and being alert, you never know. As I'm feeding the homeless on Sundays, it's not, I'm not out there preaching the gospel at every single person, but every plate that I pass has the love of God written all over it. And as they come through, I'm speaking to them. I'm talking to them like they're normal people, not like they're just a charity case or that they've got an issue. I'm laughing and I'm joking and I'm being the love of Christ. I'm touching them. I'm hugging them. If they want to hug, I'm 
I'm giving them fist pumps. Like I'm not treating them like they're uh, like like they've got the plague. Like I'm out there loving on people with who I am in the places that God puts me. It, it's not as hard as you think. You don't have to stand on the corner with a megaphone and a, a sandwich board that says repent or go to hell. That's not the the only way to do it. I go live on different platforms and I pray for people and I'm just asking. I'm listening. Right? Sometimes people just need to be heard. Sometimes people just need need someone to talk to. So be attentive. You know, as people people will they'll they'll put their fishing line out there. How you doing? Good. How about you? Oh, I'm okay. Okay, that's a sign for you to engage. Oh, just okay. Well, what's going on? Talk to me. And then people, no, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to be a burden. Hey, you're not a burden. I'm here. Let's talk. Well, let me tell you. And then they're just going to unload on you. Like there's so many different ways to be the light of Christ, to be the love of Christ and really listen, right? But a lot of the times we'll say, how are you doing? And as they're talking, we're just thinking about, okay, I don't want to mess this up. How can I preach the gospel? Well, maybe I should start in John. Well, maybe I should start John three sixteen. That's the best way that I can respond to this. No, shut up and listen because maybe God will give you an insight or give you something to speak. If we're constantly thinking about what our next move is or the next thing that we're going to say, we're missing the moment. Really genuinely love and care about the person. So as they're speaking, really just quiet. I trust that the Holy Spirit will give me words to say. And sometimes he says nothing, right? A wise man once said nothing at all. Sometimes you just listen and you go, wow, that's heavy. I can't even imagine what you're going through. Don't even have words for it. You know what? I love you. Let me give you a hug if that's okay with you. Hey, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. Can I pray for you now? Pray for him. Go away. The fact that somebody listened, maybe they don't have anybody who listens. Maybe that touch, maybe that smile, maybe the just the fact that another human being is being quiet and isn't just looking to shove the gospel down their throat in that moment, right? There's so many different ways that you can preach the gospel and be a light in this world. There's not a manual. It's, I mean, the manual is the Bible, but there's not a, it's not black and white. It's just living in the spirit, being awake, being aware, and looking for opportunities and understanding the need of human beings, right? It's going to be different. It's going to be different. And, and, and that's, that's the mission. So today, when I wake up, every day is a new mission field. It's like a brand new level. I don't know. I know what my schedule looks like, but I don't know what God's going to throw me. I might get a text. Hey, brother, I need, I, I, I need to talk to you. Okay, that wasn't a part of the plan, but you know, if I've got time, I'm going to make time. So I'm going to jump on the call. Like I'm going to, I, whatever God throws my way, I'm living by the Spirit, and I'm going to take that and receive that as that is a part of today's mission. It's part of today's assignment. And we're going to, we're going to tackle that and allow the Holy Spirit to move in those situations situations, right? Glory to God. That was a random rant. Boom. So let's pray. You guys, I want to pray. First off, I want to thank you guys. 116 bucks. Um, that's powerful. That helps because of the new things that we're doing. Um, the baptisms on Saturday. So I appreciate your guys, uh, your guys' support in buying, um, badges. I don't know where the donation button is. I don't know how to do badges. I've never bought one. Um, and I, I don't know, right? So I appreciate it and don't feel like it is ever a requirement. I will be here with or without badges. If we have to go to YouTube live and there's no badges, I'm there because I'm not here for the badges. I'm here just to encourage and love on you guys. So let's pray. We'll just let this guy, we'll just, we'll just encourage him to leave real quick for being a distraction. Glory to God. All right, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, we ask that you would 
Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, we understand that you gave us two ears and one mouth because you want us to listen twice as much as we speak. So we pray that you would give us opportunities to preach your gospel, that you would give us opportunities to spread your love, that you would give us opportunities today to be the light in this dark world. Lord, help us to to be responsive and not reactive. Help us to understand that other people are going through things. And so how we respond to their shade and their frustration and their, their being upset is a part of the testimony. Right? Help us to be empathetic and know that people are dealing with battles that nobody else knows about. And so the best way for us to shed your love and light is to be kind and to be understanding. Lord, we lift up our prayer requests before your throne and ask that your will would be done. We pray that you would close doors and opportunities that aren't from you and that you would present doors and opportunities that no one can shut. We are so grateful for the revelation of who your son Jesus is. And we understand that because we have him, we have all that we need. So help us to be like a heat-seeking missile today, looking for opportunity to spread your love, Lord, helping us to be about your business, helping us to be focused and and mindful of what the Spirit is doing uh, through us and in this world. God, help us to be lights in our sphere of influence in this dark and wicked place, God. Just uh, help us to stand on your truth and to be set aside, set apart, not conforming or blending into the image of this world, but really allowing us to be stewards of your word. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You guys have brought, as I was praying, it just reminded me, like everybody's fighting a battle of some sort, right? And and so when people come at you, when they attack you, when they're short with you, that's them projecting whatever it is that they're going through. If people are mean to you or they're rushy or they're rude, when you extend love, right, that's one of the greatest things that you can do. Like I've had experiences where somebody was being rude or rushy and rather than reacting, I responded with love and kindness and they were actually repentant. They said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm being short. I've got some stuff going on at home and um, I just can't get it off my mind, which presents an opportunity. But if I react every time somebody cuts me off or flips me off or cusses me out or snaps at me, if I am constantly reacting from the flesh, I'm only making that situation worse, right? So if somebody's rude to me and I'm just like, God, that's rude. Somebody needs to have a snicker bar, right? Is that me doing justice to that situation? It's not. If I'm constantly living offended, every time that somebody does something, I take it personal and I'm constantly living in this state of being offended. I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to be a conduit. I'm not allowing the Spirit to move. So rather than me getting offended and always being on the defense and always jumping down people's throat when I'm wronged, if I would live with love, I believe that there will be more opportunities for me to preach and spread the gospel. Amen. I see that all the time. And I do that. Like, I'm guilty of that. Like, gosh, what are they looking at? Why are they, you know, why are they so rude? Why are they being like that? And it's just like spirit will say, no, be kind, be, be nice to them. And so as, you know, maybe somebody's serving me and they're being rude or rushy. And it's just like, you kill them with kindness. That, and, and many times that will soften their heart. And maybe it doesn't. But maybe that plants a seed that later on in the day, they're, they're, they're just like, gosh, I was really a jerk to that person. I need to do better, right? Allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that it does. Um, so, so yeah, man, kindness kills. You know what I mean? Patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, you know, love, 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 love people. Amen?
Amen. All right, you guys, I love you. I honor you. I pray that you guys have an amazing day. I look forward to being back here tomorrow. We're going to go over Acts chapter 24. We get to hear about house arrest for Paul. And then we know that uh, Psalm chapter 106 is going to drop some knowledge on us. So I hope you guys have an amazing day. Be looking for ways to spread the gospel, opportunities to be the light. And um, I know that God is faithful and he will present them. So I want to hear praise reports tomorrow back here on live. You guys can fill the chats with like, man, that's crazy. God gave me an opportunity to do this or to say this. And um, I believe he's going to come through. Amen. Amen, you guys. I love you.